Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about wills and estate planning documents uh, and how to set them up properly and some sort of tips and tricks around uh, making sure that they're adequate. Uh, Now, I would say uh, probably at least 80-90% of uh, new prospective uh, clients that I meet uh, won't have up-to-date wills. Most won't have wills at all, uh, and if they do, uh, they tend to be out of date. You know, they were produced, uh, prepared 20 years ago or so forth before they had children uh, and therefore aren't, uh, aren't current. And I guess that, uh, you know, we all hope that it's not an urgent task, but I guess we also all uh, acknowledge that it's an important task. And I think probably uh, the thing that, that prevents people from getting it done, apart from the fact that they hope it's not urgent or they're planning on it not being urgent, uh, is they just don't know where to start. It seems quite complex uh, and they don't know who to get advice from and so forth. And so what I hope to do in this podcast is kind of uncover some of those uh, uncertainties and and, uh, hopefully demonstrate in the main, I would say probably for 90% of people, uh, ensuring you've got uh, current wills and power of attorneys and so forth uh, is actually a a pretty simple task, pretty simple and easy task to do. Uh, The first thing to talk about is that uh, um, uh, the laws that govern the administration of wills and intestacy are state-based. So it depends on your jurisdiction, your state that you're residing in, uh, about what uh, will apply. But typically, if you die without a will, it's called dying intestate. uh, And it can have many adverse consequences, including your assets being distributed to people that you wouldn't otherwise agree with, Uh, and certainly creates a a significant amount of unnecessary work and complexity for surviving family members at a time when they probably need more simplicity than complexity. Uh, If your situation is very simple, then I would argue that you just need a very simple will. Uh, And simplicity uh, really means that you don't have uh, much in the way of any significant assets, You don't have any specific beneficiaries or financial dependents such as children or a spouse. Uh, And in that sort of situation, I reckon a template will that you can buy online would probably do the job. Uh, And uh, they tend to be uh, pretty cheap, around about $200. Uh, Just make sure your will is witnessed correctly. That's the key thing to make sure the will is valid. Uh, It's okay to draft a a two-page will that's pretty basic if your situation is basic, but if it's not uh, witnessed correctly, uh, it's not going to be a valid will. Of course, if you have, uh, and by the way, I've got a link in the blog and obviously on the show notes as well uh, to a company called ClearDocs. Um, They prepare legal documents. Uh, They sell a will for about $200. That's where I would go if I was looking for a a pretty simple uh, online version Now, of course, if you have more assets or uh, financial dependents and so forth, uh, your situation becomes a little more complex. And in that situation, I would uh, always counsel uh, clients and people to seek personalised legal advice. 
Now, you don't necessarily want to invite more complexity than your situation warrants, of course, uh, but you don't know what you don't know, and that's when you should go and get personalised advice. And that advice might be, no, 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 it's okay, you just need a really simple will, or, hey, there's a, a, a few things we need to think about or consider. Of course, having kids uh, complicates matters. Uh, not only uh, do you need to potentially provide for their care if you and your spouse pass away, and when I talk about spouse, I'm obviously talking about married, couples, same-sex, de facto, you know, uh, uh, really uh, lifelong partners and so forth. Uh, so if you and your spouse pass away at the same time or relatively close together, and your children are under the age of 18 or perhaps even 21, as I said, you, you'll need to provide for um, their care from a financially perspective, but also uh, you need to uh, provide for their guardianship. Uh, and so you need to nominate someone or, or peoples uh, in your will that's going to become uh, your children's legal guardian in the event of uh, you both passing. I would also typically uh, advise clients to consider including a testamentary trust in their will. I've got a link in the show notes in the blog, of course, to what uh, a testamentary trust means. But essentially, it's a, a special discretionary trust that's created upon death. And uh, it allows your executor to potentially move your assets inside that trust. Uh, and it has some uh, asset protection, but also taxation benefits namely that a testamentary trust can distribute to uh, people under the age of 18, that is your children or even grandchildren, depending on uh, your age and stage of life, and they're taxed at uh, adult uh, tax rates, which means that they can receive, you know, circa $20,000 a year without paying any tax, so very tax-effective structures. Now, another thing that creates even more complexity is blended families, and a blended family is one where both spouses have children from a previous marriage or even just one spouse has uh, children from a previous uh, marriage or relationship. Um, and those sorts of arrangements can create a myriad of potential risks and issues and planning opportunities and so forth. And so anyone with a blended family, I would almost certainly absolutely um uh, recommend they go and get uh, personalised legal advice. The third category of sort of complexity, if you like, is beneficiaries with special needs. Uh, so if you have a beneficiary, which might be a child, a grandchild, uh, whoever it is, uh, even it could be a sibling, for example, uh, and they have a disability or they're battling an addiction, mental health, or these sort of similar sort of issues um, that may or may not have capacity to make their own Decisions may or may not have capacity to look after themselves. Uh, very important, again, that you go and seek personalised legal advice to ensure that you've set up your will in a way uh, that's going to, um, going to assist them. So how do you avoid problems uh, after you pass? And look, you might think, oh, well, I don't really care what happens after I die. Um, it's not really going to impact me. Uh, but the thing is that uh, uh, money and grief tend to not really mix very well. Uh, and we've seen, you know, I've seen lots of otherwise very healthy family relationships turn sour uh, when money becomes involved and um, people start bringing up things from their childhood that may have occurred, you know, some 50 years ago uh, when it comes to a separation or split of assets. Uh, and so you can make it a very simple and easy and conflict-free process, or you can make it really difficult and obviously not preparing a will or 
organising your affairs uh, tends to make it uh, difficult. Uh, just a few tips in order to avoid any complexities or infighting and so forth, conflict I should say. Uh, the first one is just have difficult conversations uh, while you're still alive. You know, if you plan to um, distribute your asset base unevenly, uh, if you think the distribution of your asset base could potentially cause conflict, uh, if you uh, are purposely going to leave someone out of your will that might otherwise expect to be included, those sorts of situations, you're much better to have those conversations while you're around. Uh, make sure everyone knows that's your intention, at least the person that might create the conflict at least. Uh, and uh, then there's not going to be any surprises. Whereas if uh, on the day that your re your will gets read, uh, if it's going to cause any surprises, that tends to invite more conflict. The second uh, strategy is to use offset clauses in your will. Uh, and so an offset clause would come into play to equalise uh, the distribution of your estate amongst your beneficiaries. So let's say you had two children uh, your your aim or goal or desire was to distribute your assets evenly to those two children. However, because of circumstances, you've provided you know early inheritance, financial support, additional gifts, and so forth before you pass. But you've only pro provided that to one child. You can put an offset clause uh, in your will to make sure that your executor equalizes the distribution, so makes up for takes into account the fact that one party's already received uh, a certain amount of financial support. Uh, so uh, on distribution of remaining assets, uh, the, the party that didn't get any support while you're alive uh, is uh, is compensated, fairly compensated for that. Uh, so you need to uh, have an offset clause in your will and then you need to keep uh, good quality, easily accessible, easy to understand records uh, recording the financial support that you actually have provided some of your beneficiaries while you've been around. Uh, the third um, uh, strategy is to keep assets out of your estate. So your will typically covers assets that are in your personal name. The assets that aren't included in your will or covered by your will are any assets held in a discretionary family trust uh, that the beneficiary is in what's called presently entitled to. So the trustee hasn't made any election. Um, the, the second is superannuation. Superannuation falls outside your will. And the third is any jointly owned assets with other parties, such as people tend to own their family home in joint names. And uh, what happens when a joint owner passes away, uh, the ownership automatically passes to the surviving joint owners so that it doesn't even really hit their will. So if you can put all your assets inside a trust, inside super, and any um, property assets you own jointly, then you're not going to have any assets in your estate and no one can fight over zero or at least there's less incentive to fight over zero. Um, the fourth uh, tip to avoiding conflict is make gifts while you're alive. So uh, not only is it is it likely to avoid conflict when after you pass, but I guess there's two other benefits is that you um, the beneficiaries receive their money sooner and typically that's better I mean, people would prefer to receive an inheritance when they've got a large mortgage and young children and big expenses and so forth than when they've already financially established themselves. Uh, and secondly, you get to enjoy the, the positive outcomes that these gifts create. So gifting monies, uh, early inheritances and so forth uh, are meaningful. 
as I said, super falls outside of your estate and essentially the trustee of your super fund must decide where to pay your super. Uh, these days, almost all funds are now allow what's called a binding death benefit nomination, which means you nominate who your super balance should be paid to and the binding uh, feature or nature of that nomination is that the trustee has to follow it. Uh, typically, those nominations have to be updated every three years, so that's really important that you do that. You've got a few options in terms of who you can nominate. Uh, you can nominate spouse, children, uh, an interdependent relationship. That's essentially where a relationship where you're providing financial or domestic support. So it could be a niece or nephew, for example, that um, you're looking after because their parents aren't able or willing to. Uh, and lastly, your estate. So they're really your four options. In most circumstances, I would advise people to nominate a financial beneficiary, so that is a spouse and or children, uh, as this will ensure the benefit payment is not taxed. So money that comes out of super that goes to a financial uh, dependent um, uh, will, uh, will be tax-free. So sorting out your own affairs is uh, certainly one step uh, but it's also important, although somewhat um, sometimes uncomfortable, to consider uh, what steps you can take if you uh, expect to receive inheritance in the future. So if one of my clients was to expect uh, in, to receive an inheritance, my preference would be that they would receive that via a testamentary trust. Uh, and the reason, as I've previously spoken about, is... Uh, not only is it better for asset protection, but a testamentary trust can distribute income and capital gains to a miner. And normally miners are taxed at different uh, tax rates, much higher tax rates uh, than adults. Um, uh, but in this situation, if they receive a distribution from a testamentary trust, they're taxed at adult uh, tax rates, which means that they can receive about $20,000 a year and not pay any tax and obviously, if they receive more than 20000 say thirty, they're still not going to pay very much tax at all. So very, very, very tax effective. So if one of my clients was to receive inheritance, that's the way I'd like, to, like it to be received. But the um, person that provides, the testator, they call it, the person that provides uh, the inheritance or makes the gift, um, which typically uh, your parents, uh, must include a testamentary trust in their will. And so it can be a difficult subject to uh, talk about or bring up, um, but something to keep in mind, particularly if your parents are open to that sort of conversation, to make sure their affairs are in order. And again, uh, I guess uh, following some of the uh, tips that I've given you to avoid conflict, uh, that can making sure your parents' uh, affairs are in order uh, might actually uh, help you, not only you, but also uh, any other family members as well. Typically, when drafting a will, I like to uh, keep the will wided, uh, sorry, worded as wide as possible, and that means that your executor has uh, enough flexibility in order to execute on your wishes. Um, and so, so a good example might be, uh, you know, sometimes parents say, "Okay, well, we will distribute assets when the child attains the age of twenty-one." Um, but I know in my personal circumstances, if one of my sons had a gambling uh, addiction or something along those lines, uh, you wouldn't necessarily, certainly if I was around, I wouldn't want him to receive any inheritance at that time. So being too codified in, in your will uh, can create perverse outcomes that you wouldn't otherwise be happy with. 
Uh, so a way to get around that is to leave your will wided, uh, worded as widely as possible. Now, you tend to have to nominate an age, but maybe it's a latter age. And then what you do is draft what's called a letter of wishes. And a letter of wishes is a non-binding document that really sets out the manner to which you um, hope your executor will exercise or, or implement your will. Uh, and uh, that's a much better way, particularly if you've got a high level of trust with your executor and you think that they're competent in exercising uh, your wishes, uh, then essentially you leave them enough room to execute it correctly to accommodate any known and unknown risks. Uh, and then in the letter of wishes, you can sit out exactly how you'd like to be dealt with, uh, in what circumstances you don't want them to distribute money, either money or assets, uh, capital that is, uh, and the the benefit is you can update that letter of wishes at any time. So normally you would provide a copy to your executor and you would keep a, a copy in a safe place uh, and you can redraft at any stage. You don't need a lawyer to, lawyer to do that. Of course, in addition to wills, you need power of attorneys. Uh, that's so uh, uh, people can make decisions and execute documents uh, if you're not available or able to do so yourself. You need to have two types of power of attorneys. You need to have an enduring financial power of attorney and then a medical power of attorney so that people can make medical decisions on your behalf. Uh, you need to review these documents uh, regularly, uh, although I would say a well-drafted will and power of attorney can typically, you know, typically wouldn't need to be updated any more than every five to ten years, but that's not to say you shouldn't consider them every one to two years just to make sure that they're still adequate and up-to-date. So there you go. There's uh, some tips and tricks on how to set up a will. Um, keep it as simple as possible, but not too simple that you create unnecessary risks or problems or complexity later on. Uh, quite often, if you've got children, um, special beneficiaries uh, or blended families, you need to get a, a lawyer to draft your will uh, if you have very simple circumstances, low assets, no dependents, and so forth, then typically a, a will kit should be sufficient if it's witnessed properly. And that's it for now. So until next week, bye for now.